I want you to stand with me and let's turn in our Bibles, the book of Luke chapter number two. We're gonna have a opportunity for you to give in a very special offering today. And um, that we're just calling it special Christmas offering. So if you need to mark that as such and designate that, just put special Christmas offering. We wanna make sure that we cover some people that are part of our family, church family, that are in need this time of year. And so just know that whatever you give, we're going to make sure that we get, give that to people that are in, in real need, um, where they can't provide Christmas, they can't even pay bills, electric bill, uh, to keep the lots on. And we wanna make sure that we help some people out. And so if you wanna do that and help out this Christmas season, just mark that as such. Luke chapter number two. I wanna start reading with verse number one. This is the, the Christmas story. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this son. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, and it was just as the angel had told them. 
May God bless the reading of his word, the listening of his word, and the doing of his word. Father God, we thank you for this day as we gather together to remember the greatest moment in the history of mankind when heaven kissed earth, when God's own son stepped out of eternity and into time to give his life for us. I pray that you speak clearly, directly to us. May we leave different than we came in Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen. amen. You may be seated. How many of you would say time is very important to you? Anybody? You want to be on time. We've got a few hands, a few hands. You want to be on time. It's usually the case that you're married to somebody that's not that way. I hear it in the house right now. Someone said to me one time, and it kind of stuck with me, and I've applied it to my life or tried to, is that early is on time, on time is late, and late is never acceptable. And time does mean something to you when it's important to you. I think because all of us had that moment where, you know, we're waiting for something, that phone call. Maybe it's the follow-up from an interview that you had that they're gonna call at a certain time. And you, have you ever been with somebody and they're, they're asking like, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it? And they're just asking every few minutes because they don't wanna miss whatever it is that they're waiting for because time is precious. Precious to them at that moment. This past week, matter of fact, yesterday, uh, we had a situation happen for us that we had had something that should have come by UPS that got lost in the mail and it had to be reordered and sent and it was going to arrive uh, on Wednesday. But we knew that if you had to be there to sign for it to get it. You had one of those moments? And I had work to do and I had, couldn't be at the house all day and Shannon had work to do and couldn't be at the house all day and so we tried to schedule our time so that I would come back in the window that she was away from the house so that I could be there. Because we knew that if we weren't there to sign to get that, the likelihood of us having it for Christmas Day was very small. Very important to us. Verse number six in chapter two that I just read, it says, and while they were there, the time came for her baby, that's Mary, to be born. The time came. And I can relate to this as a father, that moment in time when the baby comes. I mean, you're at home, you're wherever, and you just know, she, Shannon will look over at me, and we've had three of these, and she'll say, it's time. Anybody ever had that? It's time. It could be by the contractions, it could be the water breaks, or it could be that she just knows that it's time. And so you begin to speed up the process, get to the hospital or whatever you're doing and where you're going to plans for delivering that baby. And so Mary is experiencing this, but her baby was different. Her baby was different from any of our children. Her baby was different from any of your children. Her baby was the one special package 
that the entire world was hinging on. All the past, all the present, and even into the future was hinging on the birth of this child. And in verse number 11, it says who this child was. The Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Lord, was born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Jesus. Savior. Jesus. Lord. So what time is it now? What time? I know right now I got this clock ticking away because my staff is insistent that I end on time. Because they said, Pastor, you went over for you know, Christmas at North and we wanna make sure that you stay on time so we're gonna put a clock so that hundreds of people can see what's going on and so they're witnesses that you stay on time. <laughs> but what time is it for you right now? I'll tell you what time it is. It's time that Jesus becomes savior of your life. It's time for Jesus to be your savior. Do you realize that Jesus came for that simple purpose to be your savior? Because you could not save yourself. In fact, Matthew chapter number one says, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. One thing that I have found out through the word of God is that it's time that we realize that our goodness can't save us. No matter how good you are, no matter how You've been raised in church all of your life, but that's not gonna save you. You might not have done anything that you would consider bad, but that's not gonna save you. You may try to compare yourself to somebody else and say that you're better than them, but that's not gonna do you any good because your comparison and your standard is not the person you're sitting beside, and it's not the person, people you live with, and it's not a friend that you know. The standard is Jesus Christ. And when the standard is Christ Jesus, we all fall way short of that standard. I was thinking about this. Somebody told me some time ago that there's always gonna be somebody that's gonna come along better than you. So always walk in humility, even for the greatest of athletes. Take a Michael Jordan, the greatest of the greatest when he was playing, but when he was playing, there came a day when he was no longer the top dog. And there's a time that we gotta realize that, we, I'll take that back. Tom Brady is still going, isn't he? I just thought of that. I just thought 45 years of age and he is the running, probably the front leader right now uh, to be the MVP of the National Football League. Come on, let's give it up for the old men. Yes. I mean, the older I get, the more I pull, pull for those guys that are still hanging in there and doing it. But there will come his day because none of us, our goodness cannot save us. But let me also say this, your badness doesn't disqualify you. Oh, that'll preach. Because I have sometimes people that feel like I'm not good enough, pastor. I, I, I can't, I, I've made too many mistakes. I've messed up where I'm just not, no, 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 no. Again, it is not by your works lest any man or woman or kid or boy or girl should boast. It's by the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ that any of us are saved. 
So your badness does not disqualify you just like your goodness cannot qualify you. You, We all need Jesus. Also, your relationships cannot save you. It's important to understand that the people in your life that surround you cannot save you. I had somebody tell me recently, said, man, my, my mama is a praying woman. My grandma, she is a praying woman. And, and I, knew where that, I knew how that person was living and they knew how they were living. And I looked at that person and I gave them like, yay for your mama and yay for your grandma. And it's good that you have them because they're praying for you and you need the prayers. But ultimately, you have to choose for yourself to follow Jesus Christ. Your grandma's righteousness and your grandma's faith and your grandma is not going to get you into heaven. You got to choose to follow Jesus. You got my, my mom has an incredible story. One of 11 kids raised in extreme poverty physically. My mom never had electricity and running water in her. Excuse me. She had electricity a little bit later in her life, but she never had indoor plumbing ever in her life in a two bedroom house with 13 people. One died young, so really 12 people grew up. But I'm telling you, she went outside 50 yards from the house to get her drinking water every day. She would bathe most of the time in the summer in a creek down the road. But what was more heartbreaking is the extreme poverty she grew up spiritually in. She saw things that just no one would want to see. But she was a small kid, somebody started picking her up and taking her to church. And when she was 14 years old, she laid on the bed crying one night and calling out to God and saying, if there's any such thing as a godly home, I want to have that. God honored her prayers. God changed her life. I never saw what my mom saw. But my mom's relationship with Jesus is not going to get me into heaven. I've got to make a decision myself. But then also I know that Your environments can't save you. You may be in a good home. It's not going to save you just because you're surrounded by good things. Just because you make it to church each and every week does not make you saved. Doesn't make you in right standing with God. And let me just say, for all of you young people that are going to Christian school, you can go to Christian school every day and say, well, yeah, I mean, somebody prays before every class. We got chapel service every day. I, I, I'm, no, no, that does not make you a Christian. You may be surrounded by Jesus all the time, but you have to follow Jesus for yourself. Because that clock is ticking and time is running out. Which brings me to the second thing. It's time for Jesus to be your Lord. He needs to be your Savior, but is he also your Lord? I got a haircut this past week, and um, Natalie Velez, who is our student pastor's wife, cut my hair, and it's the first time she'd ever cut my hair. And so she is cutting away, and I said, hey, could you put any type of product on my head, head that can help you know, grow my hair and make it thicker? And she laughed a little bit, and she said, you know, pastor, I can put some stuff on to make it look like it's a little bit thicker, but I can't do miracles. <laughs> and I was a little bit crushed by that. <laughs> but I think sometimes what we want is we want... God to do things that really he is asking for us to do. What I mean by that is that salvation 
comes in a moment and your life is changed. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. But do you realize that lordship is a lifelong journey? Him being your savior is a moment in time. Him being lord of your life is everyday choices and decision. And I see people all the time, you know what? They're saved, they're going to heaven, but they're making bonehead decisions. They're not obeying God. They're not getting in God's word and obeying what God says for them. They're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And God is not Lord of their life. And they're hurting people around them. They're hurting their own lives. You see, because Jesus came not only to save you from your sins, he also came to save you from yourself. <laughs> what, what do I mean by that? You know what? Your greatest enemy is not someone. Your greatest enemy is not sickness. Your greatest enemy is not some circumstances in your life. Your greatest enemy is not even Satan. You know who your greatest enemy is? Yourself. Yourself. Not choosing to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ because really my greatest enemy is in me. It's that battle every day, that spiritual warfare between flesh and spirit. Am I gonna surrender to the spirit and allow him to be Lord of my life or give in to the fleshly desires and do what I wanna do? You see, when Jesus is Lord of your life, he is gonna save you from yourself. Mary, it took incredible courage, faith, and strength to let go and let God be Lord of her life. And I look at her, you know what she had to let go of? She had to let go of understanding. And sometimes we, wanna, we want so much to understand before we give in to what God is asking us to do. And you know what God is saying? He's saying, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me. Stop, stop trying to figure out, just read what he says. Seek out godly counsel and do what God says to do. Also, we gotta let go of control. And I don't know about you, but this is a hard one for me because I wanna control. I wanna hang on. I, I, I want to make the decisions. I want to be in charge. But it's, with Jesus being Lord of your life, you can't be in control. You've gotta let him be in control of everything. Also, you gotta let go of trying to do life on your own. And I look across this room and I, I look right now in Lexington and Freedom House and in Guthrie. There's people right now that are watching that you're trying to do life on your own. And you know what? Isolation breeds deception. You, you can continue to try to do it yourself, but you're gonna wake up one day discouraged, depressed, alone. You're not meant to do life alone. You're meant to do it in community together. When God made Adam, he saw Adam and he said, it's not good that man be alone. And then he made Eve. And it's not just about husband and wife there in the marriage relationship. It's about we need each other. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. And you need other people that's gathering in the name of Jesus to do life with. Mary. said this in verse 38 of chapter one. Mary responded to the angel and said, I am the Lord's servant. 
May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. You know, in Mary's life, what we find that she went back to again and again is that she went back to the promises of God. She had a promise from God that she had to keep going back. And that's why it's important to get in God's word every day because God has promises for you to help guide you and lead you every day. And hold on to those promises. Mary also had the people of God. You find that she had Elizabeth that she was very close with, that she depended on a lot. She was surrounded by other relationships. You need the people of God in your life. But she also had the person of the Holy Spirit. She could not do this pregnancy without the person of the Holy Spirit. She was a virgin. That's why the Holy Spirit came upon her and impregnated her. And then she lived her life being led of the Holy Spirit. And you've got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God in you. When you open up your heart and receive him as Lord and Savior, then every day you surrender him as Lord of your life. Letting him direct you, letting him lead you, letting him guide you. Somebody said to me years ago, either Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And that clock is ticking. And you know what it represents? It also represents not only the time for Jesus to be Savior of your life, but also Jesus to be Lord of your life, but it also represents the time for you to make a decision before it's too late. Because the Bible says it's appointed a man once to die, and then, and then, the judgment. And every one of us have a clock that's ticking away. Every one of us have one. You may say, I'm young. Well, you may live to your 86, 90 years of age, but even those 86 and 90 year olds say, it seems like yesterday that I was because time is like a vapor. It appears for a moment and it's gone. But you're not guaranteed to live that long. Because we do many funerals every year of young people that something tragically happened and they slipped off into eternity. God knows your appointed day. And he's knocking on doors right now and saying, it's time for you to make Jesus Savior and Lord of your life. Because someday this is gonna reach zero and you won't have a chance. I wanna ask you to close your eyes all across this room in every location. But as you're closing your eyes, I want you to know that when you open them up, there's a good chance that that clock is gonna be on zero. And there's gonna come a day that you're going to also close your eyes for the last time. And it's gonna be over. And that's why now is your appointed time. And today is the day to invite Jesus as Savior and let him be Lord of your life. And when he does, what you need to do is to confess your sins, ask Jesus into your life, and then take the next step, that's water baptism. Obeying what Jesus commanded you to do is then to make a public, outward 
sign to this world that you're a follower of Jesus. I want us to pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. But you came to save me and also to be Lord of my life. You died for me and you rose again for me. And now you sit on the throne for me and I choose to give my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.